Hi, welcome to our ICVA at 60 series, a collection of interviews with leaders of ICVA in the build-up to ICVA's 60th anniversary in 2022. Join us as we listen to ICVA board members and staff, former and present, talk about some of the challenges during their time at ICVA. In this episode, we listen to Robert White, a consultant for the ICVA at 60 project, talk to Tom Getman, who was chair of ICVA from 2006 to 2009. Their conversation begins with a discussion around the ICFOOT 60 history paper. The final version can be found on the ICFA website. Tom talks about his time as chair of ICFA, about the practice and power of partnership, and the role of ICFA in the selection of the High Commissioner for UNHCR. Enjoy. Hello, Tom. Robert, hello to you. What a treat. Can you, can you, see, me? Can you, can you see me okay? Yes, just fine. Perfect. Yeah. Well, tell me how you got involved in this ICFA project and what a delightful project it is. I, I uh, hope exciting. maybe you're calling it's us all together for the 60th anniversary. It'd be fun to be there. What I'm involved in is one of the lead-ups to the celebration. Yeah. Uh, the, the paper that I sent to you, that's yeah, the, was very the helpful. 60th paper. And uh, I'm doing about 15 interviews. Uh, former board members, uh, former staff, uh, former uh, chairs of the board, like, like you were, um, and gathering information. So it's one of the uh, preliminary activities that I'm involved in, just to help out a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'm, to, I'm willing to answer any questions you have. Yeah. Okay, I, I have four. I, I've uh, sent you the ones that I have, actually. But first, maybe any reflections at all on the paper? Uh, any any gaps or things that should be emphasized more or uh, ideas you have on the paper itself? Well, I was very grateful to get the rundown of uh, founder and the different chairs and directors. And it made me very aware of why um, it was a capstone of my career, my 25 year humanitarian career, to be involved so intimately with ICFA. I have to say that um, maybe you didn't know this, I'm sure we talked about it at some point, but I, I uh, continued my work because I had the blessing of being elected chair. And um, I got to pick a lot of the fruit that other people had planted and nurtured and the, the particular highlight that kept me working for two and a half extra years be, beyond my, my retirement age was the privilege that was just sort of a, a subtext of the paper, uh, the, the partnership between ICFA and OCHA IAS, IASC, the Interagency Standing Committee. Right. That, that privilege of meeting twice a year with the heads of all the UN humanitarian agencies was frosting on the cake for me. I loved it and becoming personal friends with those people was, was just an amazing um, edifying experience. And I really was grateful for the, the way to end my career that way. And uh, the names are a veritable list of the, the, the greats 
in the humanitarian organizations of the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And only recently did I realize Jan Eglin's very pivotal role when he was deputy foreign minister in Norway uh, in the Oslo, the pre-Oslo Accords. The pre-Oslo Accords were more important than Oslo itself, which became a burden for everybody and undermined Palestinian um, liberation. But Jan Eglin's role, he never talked about when we were together, either personally or in the IASC. He, he uh, was a very humble man who had a great roles to play in many, many different ways. And that's just one illustration. The other highlight was being a part of the uh, interview team for the then emerging, soon to be picked, High Commissioner for Refugees, Antonio Guterres, who oh, right, also, yeah. also became a, a personal friend and now, of course, we can take great pride in helping to nurture him so that he could be the great Secretary General that he is. Yeah, and right, it's such yeah. a, And at such a time as this, I, I loved reading the paper, and I, and I was reminded happily that, that um, our friend Elizabeth um, preceded me as chair, and she particularly, Elizabeth Ferris, Beth. Oh, right, yeah. She, she was one that did so, so much pivotal work that uh, resulted in the cluster program, the, 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 pro, the programs for accountability, um, particularly around um, the sexual issues and so on. And so I just... I became more, I've always been so grateful, but Bob, and I've, I've said this to people, that it was the highlight of my career, but to read that paper just underscored the amazing, amazing partnership that developed with the UN and has continued. Um, yeah. I understand now from, from uh, other people who have followed us, um, like Jane Backhurst, who, who is a former colleague as well, that things were harvested and then replanted and reconfigured in that period of the first 10 years of the, the new millennium that we, we just couldn't have imagined how critical they were. And I'm so proud of the people who have followed suit since. It's been really fun to continue to receive the um, the, re the regular newsletters and reports for BICFA. I'm grateful that those of us that used to be involved are still included in the mailings. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks. It's a very positive uh, assessment that you just uh, gave me, which I really do appreciate. Um, my next question is similar to the first one, um, but maybe a little more precise. What, when you were part of ICFA, when you were chair, I guess, uh, what made you proud of being there at ICFA? What, what gave you pride or the, the greatest satisfaction or uh, reward, basically? Well, some of it I've already mentioned, the relationship with with Antonio Guterres, the relationship with Sergio Vera de Mello. I didn't 
mention that, but Sergio also uh, was such a nurturer. He, he, you know, he didn't preach the word, he lived the word, so to speak, and we all heard that at his memorial services. Um, he never would depart our company. He would never end a meeting. He would never say goodbye to a friend without saying, be a presence and be it in the presence of others. Hmm. <laughs> how, can, how can you put it into a nutshell better than that? We have, yeah. to, we have to illustrate what we are preaching, not beat, beat people over the head with it. And we have to do it in the company of others. We have to be partners, not live in silos. And what made me so proud was that not only World Vision, but, but other agencies really began to practice that. When, when the clusters were formed, Haiti is a good illustration, um, we, we got lined up with the agencies that we were supposed to be closest to and had the phone numbers for when the balloons went up. When there was a crisis, we knew who to call first thing. World Vision with World Food Program, Médecins Sans Frontières with World Health Organization, yeah, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And what happened was, People learn to promote others rather than just themselves. And I think we, we uh, hammered that home on our cluster trips. I think of particularly uh, uh, some of the wonderful people that went on those teams. Jamie McGoldrick, for one, uh, who I've had reason to be in touch with recently because he had been the, the uh, res rep in in Palestine and oh. to just see the quality of the people that were on those teams when we went to Haiti, when we went to Senegal, when we went to South Africa, when we went to Sudan, when we went even to Sri Lanka after the tsunami and how we could illustrate by our working together as UN people and as NGO people of how positive it is, how enhancing it is to be in these productive clusters. Uh, I was told at the time of the Haiti earthquake that um, at, uh, it's estimated that 300,000 lives were 300,000 lives were saved oh, because right. of the clusters. Uh -huh. Because of each of the NGOs calling the while things were in disarray, while the earth was still shaking, while the hurricane was still blowing, the NGO people right away knew who to call and did call the UN people and started planning for recovery. It's, oh, it's yeah. an amazing story. It's an amazing story. Mm -hmm. You maybe remember um, Helena Mabelabong's uh, daughter. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. She, she was the community affairs person for the UN in Haiti when we went, when Jamie and I went to do the workshops with the Haiti NGOs and the Haiti civil servants. Yeah. And so she was a great counselor to us, but she also sort of set the stage for our workshops. And it was such a tragedy when she was lost the way she was in that earthquake. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But her work went on and our work mm -hmm. went on. It was one more illustration of how people being willing to be humble 
and not self-promoting or organizational promoting could could affect the saving of many lives and re relieving of terrible, terrible suffering. Oh, yeah. That's my proudest, my proudest moment and my my gratitude for mm -hmm. Antonio and Sergio and the Red Cross executives, but but particularly for Jan. Jan Eglin was such a good facilitator of that. Uh, and oh, affirming yeah. the fact that the NGOs had as much a role to play as OCHA or UNHCR. Okay, that's, that's really good to hear. Be a presence and being in the presence of others. That That's the nutshell. Yeah. Well, partnership and coordination, as you know, is uh, probably the main role or one of the main roles of ICFA. So uh, oh, I'm I know. Happy, happy to hear you say that. Yeah. The accountability yeah, yeah. partnership is the humanitarian mm -hmm. accountability. The HAP was such an important thing um, yeah. during our period. And I, and yeah, and uh, Ed Schenkenberg has to have a lot of credit for his persistence and his long service. It was it was yeah. great fun working with him. Yeah, he's on my list of people to be interviewed also. Good. And, and Beth, Beth Forrest is, right. and Beth Forrest also. So, oh, that's great. <laughs> people that you're talking about. So, uh, yeah. Um, the next question is, it's on the, the list of the ones I sent to you. Um, wh why do you think ICFA is important today? Because uh, it's been a while since you've been there. You were chaired, what, 2006, 2009, something like that? Uh, uh, I was well, there from uh, 06 to 09, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think, uh, you'll have to find this out from Beth, but I think Beth moved to another responsibility and so maybe left um, maybe left six months or so early and so we went through a bit of a crisis in d deciding who on the board should be, should be the chair and this is uh. something too that uh, you all need to note, um, because she had represented a Christian agency and I was representing a Christian agency, yeah. there was some hesitation about having another American, another person from a faith-based agency in the North take over. And so it was quite a debate. And... Uh, they, and there was also, as you would understand, concern about World Vision because you may recall that World Vision was wrongly kicked out of Sudan in uh, the late 1990s, um, along with Dan Churchaid, a Norwegian, what's the Norwegian agency, the, the faith agency. And Norwegian Lutheran, Churchaid, I guess, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it, and Lutheran World Federation. We were all yeah. kicked out, wrongly accused of doing evangelism. And of course, it's part of the principles, humanitarian principles, that whatever your faith is, you don't you don't push it on people. You don't make rice Christians uh, or or uh, people who'd have no faith forced into some sort of religious structure. And yeah, yeah. Uh, the Adventists are really good about keeping that principle. But anyway, we were wrongly accused, and we had to work for years to get our protocols back. And thankfully, part of my role in ICFA helped me to develop a relationship with the Sudan ambassador 
who became the humanitarian director in the government of Sudan and not only our protocol back, but the other protocols back, uh, and an apology for misjudging. But the the thing that made me so aware, Robert, of what we are responsible to do is to recognize the the depth and the quality of other people's uh, religious convictions. And what happened in the debate in the board? This was re this is real back channel stuff. This was um, off the record for sure. But but uh, especially the the guys from the Scandinavian countries and ladies uh, really had strong questions about agencies that have had a record in the past of being maybe a little more engaged for uh, faith reasons than for humanitarian reasons. Not that guys like you and me don't mix them, but not yeah. in an inappropriate way. And so we had strong uh, opposition to my becoming chair, frankly. And, um, and it was the Muslim people on the board. This was what made me so grateful. It was Muslim people who, as you and I know, are sometimes better followers of Jesus than uh, than our our Christian oh, yeah. counterparts. They pray better. They keep the they keep the spiritual principles better than a lot of our Christian fellows who are in sense of have a sense of entitlement. And so they really broke it all down to say, you know. We want people, not that the others who were on the slate d didn't practice this too, uh, action more than words. But they said, you know, we, we want somebody who, who ha believes something and practices it. And, and then we all sort of, I took a deep breath too, because I was having the same hesitation. And we really worked together in ways that was so edifying. I tell you, my visits in Africa with our Muslim counterparts, Islamic counterparts, our work in Malaysia and in Sri Lanka with our Islamic counterparts was, I think, one of the things that launched our more Balanced isn't a good word, especially for somebody that works in the Middle East. But uh, it, it helped us come into a new era in giving equal credit for the, the Southern NGOs and the Eastern NGOs. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, they participate more thoroughly in the board memberships and even the chairmanships. So. Those, those are the things that really made my heart sing when when we were working in that three or four years. Oh, yeah, yeah. But did you feel that, Tom? It's, it came through in my paper, actually, and also in talking to uh, Ignacio, that it, it's only been recently that the chairs of the board have not been either European or North American. 
Um, no, it, it's a, it's only in the past what five or six years. Well, so, the last which, which means it means for decades uh, it was pretty much a and also white, pretty much a white only club, European North exactly American. Right. So, did, Older, did you did white you white males? But did you feel Except all that when that. when Except you that. felt that when you were there too? Oh, absolutely, and that's why we pushed so hard. I used the leverage that they assumed I wouldn't have or use as a person from a more evangelical organization to push for Muslim leadership. Oh, yeah. And it, and it came through in our annual meetings. And you mentioned in the paper that um, th there was gr growing appreciation in the, this millennium for what um, people of other faiths, people of other experiences bring to the table. Yeah, and other parts of the world. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So-called southern NGOs. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it made me less evangelical and more ecumenical, for one thing, and I think that's true with uh, almost everybody that was intimately involved with uh, ICFA and OCHA, and you realize the power of partnership if we see each other on an equal footing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still on that question though, Tom, looking more to the future and also the future of ICFA, how do you see, if you could almost uh, uh, prognosticate the future, how would you see ICFA evolving or changing or moving into the future compared to where they have been and where they are now? Uh, what is your personal view on that? Just curious. Well, I'm not not to get into ego battles with uh, our counterparts in the UN, but <clears throat> I think what will happen because of the, the appreciation and the way partnerships and clusters have been developed, and for the way that uh, good things have happened. Here's here's another illustration: the real struggle about. Uh, partnership with the military. Whoa, has that been a struggle? And mm -hmm. and I think uh, we will, particularly because of the war history of the last 15 years, 20 years, we're going to stake our claims for resources, for involvement, for appreciation, uh, separate from the military. I'll tell mm -hmm. you a personal story after I define this a little further, but that's going to that's going to grow in appreciation and it's going to result in NGOs receiving more of the credit and resources for the work of the of the partnerships. Than, than I have than I think we've had in the past. Although we did, we we had a real growth surge uh, in this century that has held pretty steady. I think that will, that's the other thing I would prognosticate. That will increase. Uh, there won't be the dips and necessary cuts in staff, and there's going to be more public recognition from outstanding reporters like Lise Doucette and. And um, and David uh, 
Ignatius and people like that. Because when you talk to them, they tell us they are aware of what an increasingly important role in terms of the, the um, ethics and the operations of the humanitarian field. And I just think that is, is going to be um, sort of the afterburner effect of what's gone on in the first 20 years of the, this century with ICFA and the other partner agencies. Not just ICFA, but interaction. And I've forgotten what the European, uh, is. has it been folded into ICFA, the, the one that was centered in Brussels? Uh, one called Voice. There used to be one. Probably still is called Voice. Uh, Maybe I believe, I believe it's still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there are the uh, the the coordinating committees in Africa and in Asia. And now have, have uh, if not presence of ICFA, influence by ICFA or partnership with ICFA. Yeah, I'm surprised, Tom, about what you say about the future. I'm. Uh, Pleasantly surprised. Hope it works about the uh, the growth of NGOs and public recognition. Because just going through the pandemic in the last uh, 15, 16 months, a lot of agencies have had to downsize and not really increase, uh, losing staff or uh, fewer resources coming into the NGOs and UN system also for that matter. So uh, it sounds like you're, you're more optimistic than what than what I've been hearing at least over here. Well, let me tell you one. Uh, positive thing here that's a sign of it. I'm a part of a little committee that uh, has grown out of the Biden faith and community engagement um, board. Do you know about that? It's no, the old. No, no. It's uh, the old. Uh, it's an expansion of points of light that the Bush Bush presidents had. Um, what was it called? Another. Uh, uh, the State Department has had, in partnership with the White House, these little offices where they engaged people of not only Christian faith, but Jewish people and Muslim people, and particularly Buddhists to a lesser degree, to, to build partnerships, not just for political, and especially not for political influence, but for gathering people together for times like this. And Anira has been up in lights because ANIRA is the one big agency that partners with Mercy Corps, that partners with the with UNRWA in Gaza. Oh. So in our discussions with State Department and USAID to get the funding back that Trump cut, and that, that was such a hit, not only for the Middle East, but other places as well. People like Sean Carroll, are the real heroes and are being acknowledged by the system, which is the first step to being acknowledged by the media. Mm. Same is true with World Food Program. Whenever David would speak about, forgotten his last name, what's the former congressman that is the head of World Food Program? Yeah, I forget, yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, darn. Anyway, Whenever he speaks, he talks about the NGOs. Uh, 
It's oh, amazing. Yeah. It's a very humble thing for him to do because he he is the man in charge, and he's a very very vociferous um, hmm. representative of the UN and World Food Program directly. But oh, yeah. he he never has a moment on television or in the press that he doesn't acknowledge the NGOs that he's partnering with. That's terrific. And even when we were working so closely with the heads of the humanitarian agencies in the ISC, that didn't often happen. Sometimes with the Red Cross people, but I don't remember ever even Antonio talking that much about the NGOs. Uh, and I think the more engaged we are, and it looks from your paper, the ISC is continuing with representation. Yeah, very, very with a larger role from uh, ICFA also. That's it. And, 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 and NGO members being yeah. part of so the that's committees. Yeah. Having watched the humanitarian world for 40 years, first in government and then as a director of operations, and as a representative of the NGOs at the UN, um, this is this is something new. And I think it's because of people's desperation of how mm. severe the problems are. I mean, we always used to say that there were the largest number of refugees since World War II in the early part of this century. Yeah. And and now there are 25 million more than there were that w when we were referencing them at the be the beginning yeah. of this 20-year period. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's more essential to practice partnership. It's more essential not only to practice it but to honor it and to extol it and to speak to it. And I think that's happening more and more with people like. World Food Program and UNHCR, certainly mm -hmm. with UNRWA. Oh, yeah, that's good. So my last question is a very simple question, Tom, and that is, is there one anecdote or one memory, one specific memory you have of some experience you'd like to share, kind of a soundbite or uh, something uh, maybe more positive? Uh, what well, already you've been quite positive, but uh, just a little anecdote about your own experience that you'd like to, to share that, that might go into this uh, eventual recording. I'll never forget, I could even take you to the place where Ed and another ICFA staff person and I went to interview Antonio Guterres. When just, I think it was the first time ICFA had a role in choosing the head of UNHCR. There'd been, you know, all these ethics problems and so on in the 20 years running up to Antonio. Yeah. And it was such a stirring experience to be sitting in a garden north of the city. I wish I could remember the name of the town. Where, but to, to be with that man and be overwhelmed by the fact that this is the person. <clears throat> and we're having a role to play in making sure he's promoted properly. Because there were lots of pressures and lots of competition for people to be promoting their person. <clears throat> and that was one of the most 
reoccurring things that I had happen. And the oh, yeah. other was being in Haiti with Jamie McGoldrick and others. And I, it's like it was yesterday. Being in that room with the heads of agencies and civil society leaders and seeing the hunger that people had to not be alone because they it was like they knew a terrible thing was was about to happen uh, just because of the atmospherics of Haiti and tragedy on tragedy in that place and so hungry for the affirmation the tools and the um, the promise that we would be there for them when when the balloon did go up, when a tragedy did happen, and then yeah, and they need it even more these days. That's for sure. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. So it's very much in my head. Reading the paper even this morning about the tragedy of of not only the leadership failure but the outside. Uh, messing with their system and the hunger, uh, yeah. the, the actual physical hunger. What is that? Sixty percent of people are now food insecure. Oh yeah, yeah. So I pray, I really do pray that what we did in those meetings, those cluster meetings, in um, what was it, two thousand six, two thousand seven, was one of the first models that uh, the, the, the first training session that we did, I, we hope that it con has continued because, boy, they need it now more than ever. And I noticed yeah. that the, the UN is going back in, but you just pray that it's not American military that goes in. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible situation right now, obviously. Yeah, I, I was there back in the one was it when I worked for Church World Service in 79, 80, 81. And uh, I'm not sure it's really changed or improved that much over the last, what, 40 years? No, what, I know. What you're saying now is how it was 40 years ago. So, yeah. 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 But it's been a place, uh, sort of a, a set piece for us to be serious about doing it in other places that may not be as at risk, but. I mean, you think of what happened with the tsunami and uh, it, the same experience we had in Haiti, we had in Vietnam and we had in, in uh, Sri Lanka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts from your side that you'd like to share? I really appreciate all the things that you told me already. ICFA and OCHA were the highlight of my career. We, we sure operate out of compassionate hearts and sometimes over-operate out of compassionate hearts and the prophetic instructions we get about yeah. caring for the poor and the oppressed, whether it's Luke 5 or Matthew 25 or the prophets, because we have to do it. But there are wise, there are wise ways to do it, and I think we did it wiser in ICFA since than I did in the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so well, happy I, to see you, too. Yeah, it's you just, too, yeah. It's, it's thrilled to see I hope, you. I hope we can get together one of these days, I'm not sure. 
Do you, do you ever get to Europe or, or, or less? Oh, yeah. Things? Well, our, we, until COVID, we were coming every year for two or three months. Thank okay. you for this privilege. No, thanks, Tom. Thank really appreciate it. Well, thanks again. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Thank you again. Yeah, thanks very much. I hope so. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Right. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. This conversation between Tom Getman and Robert White was recorded in July 2021. Founded in 1962, ICVA, the International Council of Voluntary Agencies, is a global network of over 140 non-governmental organisations active in 160 countries, operating at global, regional, national and local levels. Our mission is to make humanitarian action more principled and effective by working collectively and independently influence policy and practice. For more information about ICFA and the history of ICFA, visit www.icfanetwork.org.